Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hi there, my friends. Thank you for being with me on this edition of the Janice Dean Podcast. Today's guest really needs no introduction. He is a Fox favorite on the channel and has such an unbelievable resume as a former member of Congress, an acclaimed author and commentator. He hosts the Fox News Channel Sunday Night in America with Trey Gowdy and the Trey Gowdy podcast on Fox News Audio. He's also a best-selling author, a trial lawyer, and a former state and federal prosecutor. His love of family and country is also incredibly inspiring. Trey has a new book out called Start, Stay, or Leave, The Art of Decision-Making, and it's now a bestseller. I loved our conversation, and I know you will too. Here is Trey Gowdy. Trey Gowdy, you made the dean's list. (laughs) Well, I'm going to let my parents know because they will be shocked to hear that. Come on, tell me about what you were like in school. Uh, you know, I wish I could do it all over again. I really do. It's one of my greatest regrets. I mean, I, I don't spend a ton of time, you know, thinking about things I cannot do over again. But when I do think about it, I there's a season we have where learning is our job. That's mm-hmm. really all we have to do. And I, I goofed off. I, you know, might have read part of you know, Billy Bub, but not all of it. And, and I just, you know, I I think I was an underachiever for the most part until I got to law school. That's when I kind of did a little better. Oh, come on. You're being hard on yourself because look at the career that you have. Well, part of that is part of that's luck and good timing. But I mean, if you, I mean, it's better to kick it in late than to not kick it in at all. And (laughs) You know, I, I got I got a really good job out of law school because I did a little bit better in law school. I got to work for a federal judge and that kind of, you know, that opens doors for you. And then I wound up going to the U.S. attorney's office, which is a, a tough job to get and then ran for district attorney. And so it, it a little bit of its timing, which, um, you know, we don't have any control over uh, people helping uh, that federal judge. I. I was telling the story last night in um, in the upstate of South Carolina. The Republicans would not interview me for a job with the U.S. Attorney's Office. Um, I c- c- couldn't get an interview. It was a, a Democrat U.S. attorney named Pete Strom that gave me a chance. Wow. So you, you never know where your break's going to come. Yeah. So what do you tell kids in school? You know, the ones that are you know, trying to do their best. We just went through a pandemic where kids were distant learning. A lot of the kids, you know, are not up to where they should be because of that. What do you tell kids who are struggling right now? You know, what I tell me, my wife and I have two children. There's not a thing in the world we can do about yesterday except learn from it. Mm. So I am not big on, on beating yourself up. I'm not big on 
lamenting the things that literally you have no power over. Mm-hmm. What you can do, um, and and you know, I watched it. I was just reading a cover letter that my daughter w- was writing to a prospective employer. Uh, she went to law school. She doesn't think she did great her first year. Okay, there's not a thing in the world that you can do about that, mm. except do better your second and third years, and then tell people. Um, tell, be honest with them. Say the light went off my second year of law school. So you will see that things improve. Sometimes the light goes off when you're 30. Sometimes the light you know, goes off even later. But be honest. Um, own your own decisions. Do not blame it on other people. What I tell, look, I, my wife's a school teacher. The pandemic was hard on everyone. Mm-hmm. But there's also not a thing in the world we can do about the opportunities we lost in 2021 or 2022, except say, you know what? I'm going to have to work even harder because I only got one shot at this gift called life. And I am not going to let something, a virus that was outside of my control, I am not going to let that dictate the the structure and the ending uh, for this gift that I have. I'm just not going to let it happen. Mm-hmm. So you're a forward thinker, which I love. But don't you think we have to go back and look at the mistakes that were made to learn in the future? Uh, yeah, of course. Uh, we we really should not make the same mistake more than once in life. Um, and in hindsight, there's a reason that we have these cliches. I mean, we get tired of hearing them, but there's a reason that we know them. Hindsight is twenty twenty. Mm. I am all for looking back if the purpose um, is to improve or hold people accountable. Yes. Um, But um, you also have to keep, um, and and Tim Scott's been great to me in my life, about the time we spend in the rearview mirror versus the time we spend in the windshield. Mm. Um, You got to, you know, as you know from driving, you got to dart your eyes back and forth. But if all you're ever doing is looking in the rearview mirror, then you're going to you're going to miss a lot of what you can do. Hmm. I like that outlook. I mean, from my perspective, a lot of mistakes were made that affected my family during the pandemic. So I do look back a lot because I want some accountability. I feel like we can't just shove stuff under the rug and pretend it never happened. Um, But I appreciate your perspective because I can't constantly live in the past. It's it's a good way to kind of shake me out of the reality that I'm in right now. And you know what I would argue? I would argue that you're actually doing both. Hmm. You are looking back because you know another one is coming. I, 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 another pandemic is coming. Another outbreak of fill in the blank is coming. So it is not simply just uh, digging up the past. Um, it is digging up the past for a reason. Look, mm. I spent two decades in a courtroom. All we did was look in the past. <laughs> yeah. But but we're looking in the past to keep, if we can hold this person accountable, then there will be fewer victims in the future. Right. So how we can dart our eyes back and forth to make it make sense. Um, I just my heart breaks for people who are just imprisoned by a mistake that they may have made 20 years ago. Right. I mean, they're literally they're in, they, they built a prison of regret or remorse. Yes. Acknowledge it. Yes. Learn from it and, and, and be humbled by it. But you, you I mean, 
we got a gift. The gift is that we are here. Mm-hmm. So we got to we got to be a good steward of that gift. Now, the book that you ha- are promoting right now, Start, Stay or Leave, I read that you got the idea while we were in a pandemic. Yes. Well, I got the idea. We were not only in the pandemic, but I made a terrible mistake of going to the grocery store with my wife, which um, you mean. I don't compound that mistake by letting her go into the store with me because we'd still be in there. Literally, (laughs) she talks to everyone and acts interested in their stories and all the things that you're not supposed to do in a grocery store. But I literally as a lady I'd never met or if I if I'd met her before, I didn't recall it. And we had a conversation. You know, I'd been out of the courtroom for a decade by then, but she thought I was still the district attorney Mm. and. I'm not into judging you know, books by their cover. I have no idea um, what this uh, woman's politics were. I can tell you just based on appearances, she was not uh, your traditional Republican primary voter. So she didn't mention Congress. She didn't mention televisions. She mentioned my time and the job that I um, love the most, which is in the courtroom. And she said, we thought you were fair. And it dawned on me, that is what I want people to say at my retirement party, my 50th wedding anniversary, my funeral. That's the word. Mm. That's the closing argument I want in my life for people to say he was fair. So if we know where we want to go, are we making decisions that get us to that picture that we envision at the end? Mm. And and I got in the truck because my wife and you know what it's like, you're a, a fantastic and prolific author. Um, it, it's hard to come up with ideas. Yeah. And and when I got in the truck, I, I told my wife, you know, because she watched I me. Mean, this lady kept talking to me in the parking lot, even after we left the store. And my wife said, what did she want? Nothing except to say that she thought I was fair. And isn't it? I've known my wife since I was 17. The decisions that I have made thus far in life, some good, some not so good, led me to where I wanted to be in that parking lot at that moment with hmm. someone I did not know saying, I thought you were fair. And that's where the idea came from. Wow. And what's your definition of fair? The ability to see both sides, um, whatever uh prejudgments or prejudices you have you can separate them from what you are seeing that you um can that your friends can be wrong and your opponents can be right um it is it is fact centered it is not centered on on wants or desires um look i got a ton of friends there's nothing in the world i would not do for them but part of that also means telling them if you think that they were wrong hmm. And I've got opponents. I, I, you know, I mean, I was in the courtroom. I was in politics. You have opponents. The fact that someone is perceived to be, I don't like the word enemy, but perceived to be an opponent does not mean that he or she cannot be right. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'll give you one quick example. Do you, do you remember a congressman named Luis Gutierrez? Yes. All right. Luis and I agree on literally nothing. <laughs> Uh, He was a Chicago Democrat, and we had a hearing in judiciary, and it was a sparsely attended hearing, and I was chairing it. And Luis was the designated Democrat to stay in the room uh, because you can't just leave the Republicans in there by themselves. 
And I noticed Luis got up and left. So there were no Democrats on the other side. And he got up and he whispered to me, they they told me not to leave you by yourself. But I know you're not going to act any differently whether I'm in the room or not. So I'm going to go meet some constituents. That was Luis's way of saying, look, I'm not supposed to say this publicly, but you're not going to all of a sudden start being unfair because there's no one on the other side of the room. That that's what I would like is people to say he's going to do the right thing, whether I'm watching or not. Mm, that's really great. And we'll be back with more of the Janice Dean podcast right after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. How do we get there? I mean, are you optimistic? I look at what you say as, well, we're not there, especially nowadays. It just feels like it's black or white. There's no gray area at all. I, I think, unfortunately, right now, one of the reasons I left, you know, I left a job that a lot of people don't leave uh, unless they're kicked out or indicted. Uh, they don't <laughs> leave Congress. Um, winning is the only thing that matters in politics right now. It just it really you're not rewarded for being fair. You're not you're not rewarded for saying, look, I really, 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 really like Tim Scott, but I disagree with him on this particular issue. You're it, 99 is a failing grade in politics now. Mm. So uh, do we treat people fairly in life? Yes, we do. And, and if you want a, evidence of that, pay attention the next time you're at a four way stop. We just intuitively know whose turn it is to go next. And even though we're in a hurry, we know that the car to the right of us got there before we did. So they go first. But so we do it in other aspects of life. We just don't do it in politics. Well, it makes me sad, though, because we need more Trey Gowdy's in there right now. <laughs> a lot of people would disagree with that. <laughs> but, I, you know, what? You can either you can try to change the system or you can hope it doesn't change you. Hmm. And and I, I, you know, I sit there and think because people do say, do you miss it? And I look at it and I know so few people. I mean, I've only been gone for what, four years, five years. But the people I was closest to, with very few exceptions, um, have either moved to the Senate or they're out. Yeah. Uh, McCarthy was a very, very good friend. He's he's speaker. But, you know. He almost I, I I don't know what Kevin would have done if he hadn't gotten speaker, but he probably would have left. Yeah. And then I'm I'm really down to I mean, Ratcliffe is gone and and other people that I spent a lot of time with, I just I think when they look at their closing argument in life, that's that that's not what they see. They mm -hmm. don't see our modern political political environment. Yeah. You're a fan of term limits, I assume. I, yeah, if they, it, it's not a panacea. Um, and, and so I, I tell folks you can have them. Um, I'm going to pick on somebody only because I like him. Um, and he's from my part of the world. A uh, Jim DeMint, um, was a very, very conservative, um, uh, people may recall him more as a Senator than a member of the house, but he was both big proponent of term limits. So let's assume that Jim DeMint spent eight years in the house. 
Then he spent 12 years in the Senate. And let's assume he wanted to come back home and be the governor of the state of South Carolina to cap off his career. That's what, 30 years yeah. in politics? I mean, is that, is that term limits? I mean, by, by term limits, do we mean you just only stay in one office first or, or you just stay in public service for a season? Right. It's a good point. How did you get into politics? Well, to be the district attorney, you have to be elected. Um, so I was a, an assistant United States attorney, what they call a federal prosecutor, and I wanted to be the district attorney. And that's elected. So I had to run for that. Um, I did not have to run for Congress. And, you know, quite candidly, we're not, we, you and I were talking about looking back. Um, I don't know if I would do it if I had to do it. It's, it that one's a hard decision for me to evaluate. Wow. Because I met people I never would have met that have uh, played a tremendously important role in my life and will until the day I'm, de- I, I, I'm dead. But I left the courtroom because I was looking for an honorable exit out of a job that was just wrecking my soul. Hmm. So I was looking for a way out. Did I pick the best way, the most honorable exit from that job? I don't know. I don't know what I would do if I had to do it all over again. Hmm. Why was that job wrecking your soul? I cannot reconcile what I heard on Sunday morning with what I saw every other day of the week. I just... You know, I, I don't I don't want my cynicism to impact other people, but, you know, God is omnipotent. He is omniscient. I, I just I don't I there was a span of what seven days in my in my jurisdiction were children under the age of 12 or being I don't mean killed in car accidents. I, I mean, murdered. Yeah. And I just. Look, I, I, I think I can do anything he wants to do. Um, and I just wondered why he didn't stop it. Mm. And I still wonder. It's tough, right? I mean, but if you hadn't had those experiences, you wouldn't be sitting here today, right? Putting good into the world, you know, um, giving people optimism to look ahead. And which... which- which is why I write that I have regrets and remembrances, and I have a really hard time telling the two apart. Mm. Um, it, I, I have made the what in hindsight others would consider the wrong decision, and I would do it all over again. So decision-making is complicated. Yeah. I mean, say you love what you do, but you don't love your coworkers. Do you stay? Or, or more apt, you know, when I was in Congress— I, I, I love the people that were on my staff and, you know, many of my colleagues. So I love my coworkers, but I didn't love the job. So do you stay? Do you leave? And a lot of life is trying to balance those different competing factors. Mm-hmm. Yes. And we've all had those moments, right? And what do you suggest to people? Do they sit down? Do they write a list, the pros and the cons? I mean, what's the process? Well, I mean, that's what we were all brought up to do, right? You know, I mean, my father said, you know, get out a piece of paper, write pros and cons. And that's great. But sometimes one pro can beat all the cons. Or sometimes one con can defeat every pro. So the challenge is not listing the pros and cons. The challenge is assigning weight to them, assigning probability and 
how we value this one factor. I mean, everything told me to stay at the U.S. attorney's office. Mm. Everything. Do not run against an incumbent who's been in office for 24 years. Do not run against a guy that you've been to church with. Your father is their children's doctor for Pete's sake. Do not run against him. Everything said not to do that, except every time I said, okay, I'll stay, I felt terrible. I felt like I was um, settling. I felt like I was letting fear drive the decision or resignation drive the decision. So there was one factor that told me to do it, but that one factor overwhelmed all the things telling me not to. So that's the challenge in life is not listing the pros and cons. It's how much weight do I give those pros and cons? Mm-hmm. The, so I've traded kind of that list of pros and cons for a mantra that I use, which is this actually how I met my wife. I always say, what is the worst thing that can happen? <laughs> and do I have a plan for how to mitigate or cope with the worst thing that can happen? And if I have a plan, then I usually do it. Well, now you've just opened up the question of how you met your wife. She didn't know I was alive. Um, and everyone at my church thought that she was the second coming of Helen of Troy. Uh, she, she was and still to this day is the most beautiful creature I'd ever seen in my life. So we're sitting at church getting ready to go on a trip. We're supposed to bring a sack of lunch on the bus. And my parents were out of town. I have three sisters, but honestly, they'd rather see me starve than help me make a sack lunch. So I uh, said, I think I'm going to go ask Terry Dillard to make my lunch for me. And all my friends were laughing. Yeah, she doesn't know you're alive. Uh, girls like that don't make sandwiches. All the things, you know, don't do it, don't do it. And I just said to myself, what is the worst thing that can happen? I'll walk up to a girl who doesn't know I'm alive that uh, is just stunningly beautiful, and I ask her to make my lunch. What's the worst thing that can happen? She can laugh. She can say no. She can call the cops. Um, but none of that happened. She said, you know, she's like not even real. She's like angelic. She said, I'm so sorry your parents are out of town. I'll be happy to I'll be happy to help. Oh my and goodness. That, yeah. I, I, but she also put mayonnaise on my sandwich, which <laughs> I think was designed to try to kill me. So I wound up not even eating the thing. I threw it out the window. But but um what's the worst thing that can happen? Is not so bad compared to I was 17 at the time. I was 41 years ago, and I have been uh, with her either dating or married ever since. Wow. That's pretty incredible. Now, she would probably not cite that as one of the best decisions <laughs> she's made in life. <laughs> it was definitely one of the best ones I made in life. I know. Next time we have the interview, I would like Terry to be in the room. <laughs> And no, you won't, because she you won't get her to say anything negative about anyone. Aww. And she's just bubbly. She's effervescent is the word that is used to describe her. It's just I'm not even sure she's real. That is lovely. Don't go anywhere. We'll have more of the Janice Dean podcast right after this. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Tell me about your faith. How does faith play in your life? Um, it's, you know, that's where it gets sort of complicated. It's been an evolution since, I mean, I grew up the same way a lot of people grow up. I, every time a church was open, uh, my parents had me there. Um, I, um, I think the teachings of Christ are worth following, even if there is no reward on the other side. And every time I say that, Tim Scott looks at me. <laughs> like I have lost my mind. But if I entice you to do something with a reward on the other side, that's one motivation. Or if I entice you to do something because it's the right thing to do, regardless of whether or not there's a reward, um, I think they're both good. Um, I'm getting you to do what I want you to do. Um, I do think that there is something on the other side of where we are now. I do think that. Um, but I also think the teachings of Christ are a good way to lead your life regardless. Mm. So I, you know, my, there's a verse in the Bible that says to work out your faith with fear and trembling. Uh, and Sorhan Kierkegaard wound up writing a book about that. That's kind of where I am. I, it, I'm working it out. Um, I believe many of the same things I believed when I was a kid. Um, but I, there's also a book in the Bible written by a prophet named Habakkuk, and he asked a lot of questions of God. How, mainly, how can you let this happen? And I also, um, I spend a lot of time reading that book because I, I have that same question. If you are omnis, omniscient and omnipotent, why is this happening? And it's okay. I, I think he's big enough to handle our questions. Yeah. What do you want people to get out of this book? If you know, if you were tell tell to tell, if you were to sit down and tell somebody, if you read this, this is what I want you to get out of it the most. Uh, we have one crack at this gift called life, and it is a gift. Um, it, it is. We all know people that we lost too soon. We all know people that don't currently have this gift called life, but we have it. If you can hear this or utter this, you have the gift. And how are we using that? And what do we want? I don't mean legacy as in history books, because most of us are not going to be in any history book. But the people that we care the most about, the people whose opinions we value, what will they say and think about the decisions that we have made in life? And do those decisions kind of reflect where we want to be at the end? You know, Dana Perino is a, is a much, much better person than I am. She doesn't like the funeral um, analogy. Yeah. She uses a retirement party. Ah. So we're retiring. Um, we've dedicated 30, 40 years to a company or to a line of work. What are people going to say about it? Are they going to say very considerate, caring coworker? Or are they going to say a climber? Um, I, the more time we spend kind of thinking where we want to get to, 
the better our decisions will be on how to get there. That's the meaning of life right there. It is for me. Um, so I, I look, people don't have to make the same mistakes I made. I mean, they're, I, I tell my kids all the time, I have touched the stove. I can tell you it's hot. Mm. You don't have to do it. So it's it's a biography of decisions. Um, people do ask, why you why did you leave Congress? And that, that's a part of the book, not from a political standpoint, but from a, you know, um, you're you're one of 435. Um, so it, it's a small group. It's hard to get that job. Why would you leave it before you had to leave it? That's that's part of the decision making that I've had to do in my life, leaving um, a job that other people might not leave. Hmm. Yet it was the right decision for me. And what would you tell people who wanted to get into government? Um, I would ask them how they define government. Hmm. Uh, I was in government when I was a prosecutor, and it's the best job I ever had. And I was in government when I was in Congress, and it was not the best job I've ever had. So what do you mean by government and why? I mean, if you tell me you want to change the world, I would tell you to go teach. Hmm. If you tell me that you want to you know, overhaul our health care system, you're not going to do that as a single member of Congress. Mm-hmm. You want to a lot of people say, I just I want to make life better for my fellow citizens. Well, then maybe you should run for county council mm-hmm. and not Congress because you have a lot more impact on people's day-to-day lives at local government than you do at, at, at the national level. I, I would make them cross-examine their own motivations. And that will flesh out because a lot of times what we say we want to do to help other people or we say we want to do to benefit society is really checking some deficiency we feel in our own lives. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I write the story in the book, uh, and my mom told me last night to stop telling this story, but no, it's too late because it's already it. in the book. <laughs> she wanted me to run for county for student council when I was in high school, and I was too afraid to do it. So the guy that winds up running against two incumbents in a really public way, um, I wasn't too afraid to do that, but... I was too afraid to not have my name called out on the intercom at my high school. So how do you get from that level of fear to being willing to fail in other people's eyes on a much, much bigger level? Yeah. And you get there by redefining what failing is. Mm. Failing in hindsight was disappointing my mom. Yeah. How, and does your mom, do you talk to your mom a lot? I do. Moms are the first to love you, the last to love you, and the ones that love you the most. In the oh, world. that's amazing. Oh, I love it. Trey, this is a really great book. And I mean, listen, this is hard. This is hard to do. I've written a couple of them and I like the process of writing it. Um, and then going out and have to talk about it is really, that's that's the toughest part for me. I don't know about you. Um, it, 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 it is hard. Um, what I've kind of resigned myself to 
um, is, is what I ask people to do in this book, which is to find success on their own terms. I wanted to write a book that I thought was capable of helping people. That is success. Whether people accept it, whether people want to read it, whether the people do read it is outside of my control. Mm-hmm. And I cannot judge success on things that are not in my control. So I was much more nervous writing it than I was than I am talking about it. Wow. Uh, because it's done now. It's it's done. And um look, I'm not a professional writer. I I, I was a mediocre lawyer, so I'm certainly not a great <laughs> writer, but but I I love the process of doing it. And if it helps people, this is my my third book. I cannot imagine having another one in me, but Honestly, I've already shocked every teacher I ever had by writing these three. So, so why why keep going? I say the same thing. I said the same thing. And I said the same thing about this last book is like, I'm done. I don't think there's another book in me. But when I look back, I think I benefited the most from writing it. I, I feel like you probably feel the same as I look back at all the people I talked to and the process of it and how much better I am on the other side of it, having written it, it's it's an important thing. And what you said is important. You have judged it a success. And what, you know, we both have publishers, we both have other people that are interested in the manner in which they judge success. Yes. But what you and I can control is the product that we put out there and right. the effort and how much of ourselves we put into that product. And so from that standpoint, if we're at peace with what we've done, then it is a success. And it's not dependent upon what other people say. Yeah. I think I needed this pep talk from you today. <laughs> <laughs> who, who would have ever guessed that a cynic would be, <laughs> which is what I've become, would be known for giving... It's, but I, I really do believe that. I mean, I I think you get to define what success is in in your life. Mm-hmm. I really like that. I th- I think that that's really important to think about. And so I thank you for that. And uh, I I appreciate your time today. Listen, I one of my buddies here when I see him is uh, Jason Chaffetz, and I told I told him I was talking to you today, and he was like. Oh, you you tell him how evil I think he is. And he said it with a smile because he's told me great uh, stories about you guys and, and what a great friendship you have. He was he will always be one of my fondest memories from serving. And um, if we can keep this a secret between just us, yes. I was really sad when he left. Oh. I, um, I spent. We were on two committees together. I've tried really, really, really hard to get him on a third committee that I was on. Uh, we ate a ton of meals together. Um, I've been to his home. He's been to mine. Um, I loved serving with him. Yeah. And, and it was sad when he I, – I got why he was leaving, but that did not mitigate the sadness of it. Mm. Um you know, I look back on it. I spent so much time with Jason and Tim Scott and John Ratcliffe. You're not going to have any fun around those three, but you're also not going to get in any trouble. So that's the trade-off you make is those are three of the most straight arrows. They're boring as all get out, but you're not going to get 
You're not going to get arrested with those three. I don't know. He told me a couple of stories that were pretty funny that we probably couldn't share on the radio. But, um, <laughs> you know, my favorite story by Jason is we get through with what most people would consider to be a really, really uh, uh, large meal. Yeah. At a restaurant. And we're walking back uh, to our offices because that's where we both lived. And he wanted to run by a place and get some French fries and and a kind of milkshake that they had. And I'm sitting there thinking, Jason, you just ate like a meal for a family. And you're already thinking about French fries and a milkshake. And at one point in life, you were an athlete. Well, he wasn't an athlete. He was a kicker. He was a kicker on a football team. But he is always in a good mood, he always is. has a smile on his face. And... To know that whenever you run into somebody, you're going to get the same thing. Yeah. He, he's not mercurial. You don't have to worry about, God, I wonder if Jason's in a bad mood today. <laughs> uh, I loved, uh, I'm sorry you ran into him because that was 45 minutes of your life you can't get back. But, <laughs> but I do love him. He says the same. And, uh, you know, you give me hope. You give me hope that there are good people that want to get into politics slash government um, for the right reasons, and we just have to look for them. Yeah, and then you got to kind of balance that with the ones that you like that wanted to get out. Yeah. And we got to ask, why did they want to get out? Mm -hmm. They they didn't lose. They weren't indicted. They weren't forced out. Why did they voluntarily leave? Mm. Well, if I see Jason Chaffetz, I'll ask him that question. Well, I hope you have an hour and a half set aside. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, my friend. Good luck on the book. It's called Start, Stay, or Leave. Uh, I really enjoyed our conversation. I hope we can do it again sometime. I do, too. And I would say best of luck with you and your book, but you're already doing fantastic, Aww. so you don't need any luck. But um, congratulations on writing a book it is a much harder process than than one might think it's uh, that true. Is not written a book um so congratulations to you and thank you for letting me be on your podcast oh i appreciate that thank you my friend all the best give your family a big hug for me and uh yes. say hi to your beautiful wife i really would like to meet her someday i don't know if she's speaking to me right now <laughs> but when she starts speaking to me again i will tell her hello well wait minute what is that story she's not speaking she to you i overreacted to the dallas football game uh, uh, listen I, have you seen will kane you can always get the hole in the wall and the broken window fixed <laughs> but you don't have another uh, chance to go back and win that san francisco game oh so my gosh i think her priorities are not in order well all you have to do is show her the video of will kane on instagram and i think she'll forgive you pretty quickly um, he and I, I, I doubt he's over it. I'm not over it. Um, <laughs> it, uh, isn't it sad that my happiness ebbs and flows with what 52 guys I've never met do on a football field? You are but, not alone. I actually think there should be, maybe there's a podcast for you guys, like the, the sad and angry Dallas Cowboys fans. There, there are a bunch of it. If you're a Dallas fan, you're sad and angry right now. <laughs> Well, thank you to be continued, all right? Yes, ma'am. God bless you. You too. God bless you too, Trey. Thank you, Trey Gowdy, for such a great conversation. His book is really incredible, very inspiring, and we could all use a little more of that these days. 
You can check it out. It's called Start, Stay, or Leave, The Art of Decision-Making. And, of course, you can catch Trey every Sunday night on Sunday Night in America on Fox News and the Trey Gowdy podcast on Fox News Audio, which I think I'm going to be a guest on in the next few weeks. So stay tuned for that. Thank you to all of my listeners. If you have someone you think should make the Dean's List, let me know at Janice Dean on Twitter or Janice Dean FNC on Instagram. Or you can rate this podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or at foxnewspodcast.com. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, in these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.